Another busy week down in the United States, so let's catch up on all the things that have happened. Our Global News Washington correspondent, Reggie Giacchini, is with us. Good morning, Reggie. Good morning. Now, we talked to you earlier in the week about this potential agreement between the U.S. and China to crack down on fentanyl production. What happened with that? Uh, so there was an agreement that was put in place. Uh, it kind of was one of the many promises and agreements that were made between the United States and China to kind of reintroduce a friendliness between the two nations. And what China says that it's going to do is limit um, the manufacturing and export of um, ingredients that, that go into fentanyl, therefore kind of making it more difficult to get out of China and into Mexico and into the hands um, of, of kind of you know drug dealers and, and cartels. Whether or not this is going to actually happen, you know, we have to wait and see. It's difficult to kind of, you know, police China in what it is actually doing to to deal with, you know, issues in its own country. But at the end of the day, this is a win for Biden. It's a win politically. It is a win, obviously, when it comes to the health and welfare of Americans, but also Canadians, too, because this could slow down what is obviously, um, you know, the leading thrust of, of, a, of an ongoing crisis affecting all these countries. Right. OK. And what happened with the secret? Secret Service and the president's granddaughter. So look, this is this is part and parcel of a, a much bigger problem, um, not only here in Washington, D.C., but really around the United States. What happened was the Secret Service who were protecting um, Joe Biden's granddaughter in uh, in Georgetown, which is a more affluent area uh, of the district. They opened fire on on a trio of people who were trying to break into an unmarked Secret Service car. Those people took off. Nobody was hurt. But again, it fits into a pattern here in the district. Um, there have been 750 carjackings since January 1st. There have been 6,000 vehicles stolen since January 1st. And just last week, there was an armed federal um, security guard who was victim of a carjacking and actually fired his weapon and, and killed a juvenile. Um, so Secret Service obviously is now taking part in this investigation. The president's granddaughter wasn't hurt. But the questions here are, why is this such a problem kind of right around the country, especially when the vast majority of these crimes are being committed by people under the age of 16 years old. It, it, it really is kind of a wild situation here in the district where police are actually saying, look, if you're going to be in your car, drive in the center lane, drive with your windows up, wow. make sure that your doors are locked, drive with somebody in your car, don't drive after dark. This is how they're trying to deal with a problem that's now actually found its way all the way up the kind of political line here. That is crazy. Um, also, what happened in the trial this week of the man who was accused of attacking Paul Pelosi? He uh, was was convicted. Uh, he had originally been um, charged with attempting to kidnap a U.S. official. He's now facing 50 years in prison for the charges. What's interesting here is that this this man who's originally from Powell River, um, he, he, he didn't say that he was doing this to try and, um, you know, go after uh, Nancy Pelosi. What he said he was trying to do was to stop government corruption. And I guess when he was on the stand through tears, he was pushing and pitching all of these kind of conspiracy theories about how the government um, is acting in inappropriate ways and thought that this was going to be a way of trying to stymie any of that, um, you know, government corruption. But at the end of the day, uh, this David DePappy is, is, is now facing uh, what could be 50 years in prison. Obviously, the Pelosi family is is grateful for this. They say that, you know, Paul Pelosi is doing much better at this point. But, you know, it goes to show that when you hear these these conversations from, you know, people in, in government, especially if they're on the fringes of government, talking about corruption, that there are people out there who will listen and who will take action.
Okay, so speaking of that, in terms of elected officials, I hear there's some progress on the George Santos front. Uh, there's actually progress that was made in the last hour or so, uh, where after the ethics committee came out with uh, a report yesterday detailing a significant number of, of flaws that it found George Santos committed during his election run, including stealing money from people who were donating uh, and using that money for personal luxury items and for you know OnlyFans subscriptions. Um, you know he he has now been found uh, to have been you know in breach of of a number of codes, and within the last hour, uh, the ethics committee has. Put forth uh, a motion to expel. They're obviously heading out into the Thanksgiving break. So sometime in the next 10 days, we could see this vote put forward. Might not do much. George Santos says, look, I'm not going to run again next year. He's still fighting back, saying that he's the victim here. But at the end of the day, Republicans didn't want to expel him a couple of weeks ago. They wanted to wait for that ethics report. That ethics report was damning. This could be the first time that we see somebody expelled from the House since 2002. Mm. And the first time it's a Republican that will be expelled. It's interesting that he came out, came out this week and said, I'm not going to run again next year. Probably because uh, he's now ha- not only does he have a growing number of people turning on him, he has the New York Republican delegation turning on him as well. Um, and, and this makes it more difficult because if Republicans start backing him, there's a lot of Biden carried districts that have a Republican representative in New York. This could provide a win for Democrats if he were to stay in the race and then lead to a bunch of infighting here. This could potentially be beneficial for Democrats. We seem to have lost Reggie there. Oh, there he is. What he's, it may speak Sorry. to what he's trying to say, uh, but at the end of the day here, you know, he didn't cooperate. And, and I think that also is speaking a little bit loudly here. All right. We're sorry. We lost you there for a second. Okay. One more thing I have to ask you about is that uh, we'll talk about Donald Trump being on the campaign trail and some of the language that he used this week. Like, boy, it had people going, what, what is happening? Yeah, I mean, look, the language he used uh, had people saying, look, this is the language that Hitler used to use. This is the language that Mussolini used to use. And it's not uncommon to hear Donald Trump use words that are uh, that are you know inappropriate or, or face kind of criticisms. But his team is doubling down on it, saying, look, the people that are coming out and criticizing Donald Trump, you are the people that are going to be crushed when we retake the administration here, kind of, you know, acting in that way of saying, look, I'm going to be a president and I'm going to quash anybody who has anything negative to say about me. The kind of things that we just heard Joe Biden talk about what takes place under, you know, a presidency like Xi Jinping. What this does, though, Simi, is it expands on another issue that's kind of been bubbling up in the news is that Donald Trump has a team that's working to put together a bit of a shadow government here. So when he comes into power, the plan is to replace a whole bunch of bureaucrats with Trump loyalists to avoid being in the situation that he was in last time around where adults in the room wanted to take control. If he's got loyalists around him, it makes it much easier to shut down people who are... I think we lost Reggie again. What a Trump administration oh, could look like. Okay, so that happened again. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, you know, I was just thinking as you were saying that, though. So essentially, he wants his four-year, potential four years, to be more like what his last two months in office were like. Yeah, I mean, look, he wants the next four years to be like the four years that he that he thinks that he still owed because he still thinks that he won that election. And and there is growing concern here that this is not going to be a president if he wins. It's not going to be a presidency for the people of, of America. This is going to be a presidency of revenge right. for the election that he lost. So, you know, there, there's concern here. There's also concern amongst the Democrats to me because he and Joe Biden are tied right now. And there's a lot of, you know, growing chatter that maybe a third party candidate's going to jump into the mix here and spoil it for everybody. And then the country won't know what to do when there's a president elected 
not from the two parties that exist. Always interesting what's going on down there. Reggie, thank you. Thank you. That's Reggie Tacchini, our Washington correspondent for Global News.